Standing in the wind, a siren whined in the distance. A case? Can't talk about it, the Duke. As usual. The streetlight revealed his cuffed corduroys, his mismatched socks, one brown, one black. Morbier was no fashion plate. He hadn't made a move toward his car. Unlike him, she sensed something else bothering him. His health? Did you have that checkup like you promised? Something's going on with Xaviera, he said. I'm worried. Taken aback, Aimé fumbled for something to say. She remembered him with his arm around Xaviera, an attractive older woman with dark hair. Xaviera's laughter, warm smile, and scent of gardenias came back to her. Worried over what? He doesn't answer her phone, he said. Zoot, I don't either half the time, she said. You're reading too much into it. I need to know what's going on. She'd never seen him like this, like a lovelorn, shaggy dog. It wasn't often that he shared his personal feelings. Her daughter's getting married soon, no? Amy rubbed her hands, wishing she'd worn gloves. You told me yourself last week. She's busy. A cloud of diesel exhaust erupted from the number 74 bus as it paused to board passengers. Xavier's holding back, he said. Something feels wrong, Le Duc. When my gut talks, I listen. Like what? You're thinking she's in danger? She's fond of you, Morbier said. Help me out, huh? He hadn't answered her question. But what can I do? He pulled a police notepad from his coat pocket and wrote down an address. Do me a favor. Her daughter's wedding rehearsal party's tonight. Go there and talk to Xaviera. She'll open up to you. If I hadn't gotten called away to this investigation. Me? Aimé interrupted. How many times have I helped you, Le Duc? He said. Better get going. The party's started. Why did she always forget that Morbier's favors had a price? He pointed to the leather cat suit under her raincoat. I'd suggest you change into a little black dress, too. You dispensing fashion advice, Morbier? But he merely said, Can I count on you? She nodded. And then he climbed in the waiting Peugeot. A moment later, it turned, and its red taillights disappeared up Rue du Louvre. Some kettle of fish, she figured, if they had to summon Morbier to Lyon. She hit the numbers on the digicode keypad. The door buzzed open. She was tired out. It had been her first day back at work after a month's recovery from the explosion that had laid her low on her last case. Her shoulders ached. She had a report to file, and now this. But she couldn't ignore the urgency in Morbier's voice. On the third floor, she unlocked Le Duc Detective's frosted glass door. Instead of the dark office, she expected, she caught the sweet smell of juniper logs and welcome warmth emanating from glowing embers in the small marble fireplace. What are you still doing here, René? René Friand, her partner, a dwarf, swiveled his orthopedic chair, his short fingers pausing on the laptop keyboard.
Catching up, he said. How did today's surveillance go? He was worried about their computer security contracts, as usual. I think you'll like this. She slotted the VCR tape into the player, hit play. René's large green eyes scanned the screen. With an absent gesture, he brushed at the crease in his charcoal suit pants, which were tailored to his four-foot height. Good work, René grinned. She'd had a tete-a-tete with the VP of operations and had planted the video camera in his office, along with a data sniffer on his office computer's input cable. Now they could monitor his less-than-transparent budget transactions remotely. Their client, the CEO, needed proof of embezzlement. So the VP took the bait.